Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of 66 to 87, DK Pittsburgh Sports dedicated podcast to all things Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm your host, Tom Reed. I am joined today by Dave Molinari, who's finally made it home from New York, and Taylor Haas. How are you guys doing today? Oh, terrific. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to lay out some scenarios for you here to start uh, our first segment uh, this afternoon. Um, This is a team right now that has one of the league's worst power plays in the league at 13.9%. It's Future Hall of Fame center, uh, Evgeny Malkin, has one goal and five points and a minus three in ten games. Uh, Chris Letang, who has been hurt the last game or so, has not produced much uh, of anything. This team also has the worst goal differential in the new and imp- the new Eastern Division, and yet through all of this. They are 5-4-1 and one, and sitting right there on the border of would-be making the, the playoffs after 10 games in a 56-game schedule. So I'm going to throw this out to you guys. Is this, this, this trend right here of all these things that have happened, and oh, by the way, they've had tons of injuries on defense, is this something that we should look at and say, oh, my goodness, they, this, this keeps up like this. There's no way they're making the playoffs. Or do we look at this at more of a glass half full and say, my goodness, it can't get much worse for a team that has been to the playoffs so many times and still kind of remembers what it takes to win a Stanley Cup having just won it a couple years ago. Uh, Dave, is, is this glass half full or glass half empty after 10 games? Well, it, I mean, it can get worse, Tom. They, they can start to lose forwards the way they uh, have lost defensemen. Uh, you know, it's not like you go into the season with a, uh, an injury quota, and once you fill that, then you're guaranteed to be healthy the rest of the way. Um, I, I think they're extremely fortunate to have, have a uh, better than 500 record at this point because I don't think their play has necessarily merited it when you look at uh, how much time they've spent playing from behind. Uh, how so many of their points have, have come in overtime and, and shootouts. Um, you know, those, uh, those two-point pickups could have easily been a one-point pickup uh, had they lost those games, and they would be appreciably uh, deeper in the standings than they are. So they're pretty lucky to be where they are, but uh, what they've done through the first 10 games is certainly not a uh, formula for success. Taylor, glass half full, glass half empty. Yeah, I mean, the power play is one of the the biggest problems. And I think, like, they're, they're 23rd in the league, I think. Um, yep. They're lucky to even be there because, I mean, their shot attempts and, like, their, their actual shots on goal are, are the worst in the league on the power play. Um, so they're, they're, they just have a better shooting percentage. But, I mean, thing <laughs> – they're they're not producing as much shot they're producing the fewest shots in the league on the power play that's pretty awful um but then i think that's also um an encouraging sign that things could get better um if they just shoot the puck more um and then i mean the goaltending's really been an issue too i wrote about in drive about how and we talked about on the last episode how their goals saved above uh, expectation which is the, the stat for goalies that really measures how they're performing 
you know, when you take all factors out, you know, like the defense and those variables, um, I mean, Jari's the next worst in the league. Uh, DeSmith, uh, 46 out of 62 goalies. But um, if you look at, like, their, their past uh, play with that stat, they're typically, they typically both perform above expectations. So that kind of tells you that this is more of a funk rather than uh, they're just bad. <laughs> so hey, um, let's, let's, yeah. let's mention Matt Murray has the worst. <laughs> yeah, Matt Murray has the worst, so you can't say that they uh, kept the wrong guy, although Marc-Andre Fleury does have one of the best. So, um, oh, boy. another debate. You always <laughs> got to rub salt. Always got to rub salt here, Taylor. Huh? You're, you're, you're what the, the British call a wind-up merchant. Just going to get everybody <laughs> all worked up here about this. Let it go, Taylor. Let it go. Yeah. All right, let's, let's, let's go to some of these. Let's break some of these, these issues down individually, and let's start with the power play. Dave, you're a gamer the other night. I, I thought that was the perfect lead for a lot of people that probably think, just shoot the puck. Just get somebody in, in front of the net and shoot the puck. The Rangers end up winning 3-1. Their 2-1 goal coming on a simple shot from the point that's Chris Kreider tips in, tips past to Smith, who I thought played pretty well. But it's just like, why can't the Penguins just shoot the puck? They seem to be overpassing. Uh, how, do you, how do you go about fixing the power play with the acknowledgement that the guy that was, did so much dirty work and did it so well over the years, uh, Patrick Hornquist, is no longer here? Well, I, you know, I, I don't think that not having uh, Hornquist in front of the net anymore precludes uh, getting pucks to the net. That was also an issue uh, a lot of the time when he was here. This is just a group that for many years has been given to overpassing. Um, I don't know what could be done to change that at this point unless uh, Mike Sullivan would take the rather drastic step of sitting some of the, uh, the primary offenders who are, you know, his core players, uh, you know, and, and replacing them with, with guys who will shoot the puck. You know, the, the second power play unit is much more willing to, to get pucks at the net than the first one is. And it's certainly not because the second unit has uh, more talent than, than the first. Uh, it, you know, it's a, it's a mental block. For whatever reason, uh, the first unit seems to really want to score pretty goals, as, as if you get style points, <laughs> you get extra credit if, uh, if you score on a really nice play as opposed to something basic like throwing the puck to the net and getting a deflection or a rebound or just the chaos that's created from having the puck around the crease. I mean, it's really nothing terribly complicated. And I'm sure, you know, these guys have been hearing that, that sort of thing since they were uh, in youth hockey. But uh, for whatever reason, they, they don't seem inclined to, to act on it. Okay, Taylor, I want to take you to, in a different direction here. One of the people, one of the people that are relied upon, and those are those are the Reed Dogs. Just so you know, are the first of many times that they will make appearances, unwanted appearances on the show. Um, but Taylor, one of the people on that power play is obviously a future Hall of Famer in Evgeny Malkin, and I think we could dedicate an entire episode, at least in these early days, to what's going on there. Uh, I think one goal, four assists in 10 games, uh, especially after a bounce back year that he kind of had last year. What do you see going on with Malkin? 
Yeah, I, he's just in a funk, and and this the sentiment you get from the team. I mean, Russ has talked about it. Sullivan has talked about it. Is um, he? I they. It sounds like they think he's in that kind of funk too. I mean, Russ said like we've seen him before, where he kind of gets down on himself like this. Like if he if he starts playing bad, he kind of gets in his own head. And then Russ said, you know, and we've seen him come out of it. Um, Mike Sullivan has said too that you know. Um, pretty much expressed the idea that you know if, if he can just get like one goal just start scoring a little then um you know he'll get out of his own head and and return to form but I mean that's what it looks like he it's like sometimes it looks like he's just floating around that out there like not trying or then sometimes it looks like he really is putting in a lot of effort but just like overthinking things over, like overpassing like like we saw um and I mean, yeah, not the, the power play not doing well is a big part of that too. And right. I mean, something Crosby said the other day, I asked about the power play um, is it, it's not even a matter of like, oh, they need to work on this more in practice. It's, it, he said, we just need to execute it. They just need to go out there and start shooting more. Um, so, I mean, they know what the issue is. Right. Dave, you know, if this was an 82 games season instead of a 56 game sprint, I do wonder if Mike Sullivan uh, would kind of allow Tristan Jari to kind of play out of it, kind of play out of this slow start. But right now it seems like uh, as points are so precious, are we going to continue to see this kind of a little bit of a rotation as, as, as he, as Jari can't really seem to get it going and, and Smith has been the better goalie or at some point you have to say, we signed Tristan Jari for a reason. We moved on Matt Murray for a reason because Jari was so good last year. Where do you, where do you stand right now in their goalie situation? Well, I mean, I, I certainly think that if they are to have any sort of impact in the playoffs, they're going to have to have Tristan Jari as their guy and playing well. But as you noted, DeSmith has been the better of the, uh, the two at this point. And when you're talking about a shortened season, you know, it's uh, it's tough to just kind of sit back and, and wait for Jari to, to play his way back into form. Uh, you know, every time uh, you lose a couple of points, you know, the, those, those are points you're not going to get back. And, and in a 56-game season, um, you know, it's, that, that's tough. Um, I, I don't envy them uh, having to uh, decide how, how to split up the workload when uh, when the Smith is uh, being the better of the two, and, and 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 as we said, as as Taylor mentioned, and I encourage you guys go to, to read the story that she wrote, kind of a uh, kind of more of an analytical look at, at where those goalies. And I mean, you don't have to be an analytical mind to know that 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 neither one of them have been great. And Jari has really struggled. I will say one thing: you look around the league, and there's other places. Uh, the, just the team that they played, the Rangers. Shuskirkin was supposed to be the guy, and they have been, kind of been going back and forth with goalies there. Uh, Columbus is the same situation. They, 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 you know, they're just been rotating goalies in and out. So the Penguins aren't the only team right now trying to find their footing in goal. Uh, but I'm sure all these teams, and especially this team right here with playoff aspirations, they want to kind of get that going. Uh, moving to ahead to another topic, uh, Taylor, you were out at Cranberry today, uh, or, or I should say yesterday at practice, and finally some good news on the injury front. Can you kind of give us an update of where they are there? 
Yeah, I mean, that was the first time, you know, we were asking Sullivan about kind of like positive injury updates rather than like, <laughs> how long is this guy going to be out? And like, what's wrong with him? Um, but yeah, so uh, Math- Mike Matheson and uh, Zach Aston Reese, they've been out, they've been out a while. I mean, Aston Reese uh, surgery and in August, Matheson, uh, he was injured in the second game against Philly. Both of them were full participants. And then uh, Chris Letang, who was injured in the, the first game against the Rangers, he, he was also a full participant. He was only ever day-to-day. He only missed that, that one game. Um, but, I mean, all, all three of them, they said they feel good. No lingering issues. Um, we don't know if they're going to be available Saturday yet. But, I mean, that, that would be huge, especially Matheson and uh, – Letang just to get some guys back on on defense and then I mean Matheson a left-handed shot just because uh you know right now you have guys playing on their offsides because Joseph is the only healthy left-handed shot so right last topic here in our first segment Dave I'll, I'll leave it with you here we'll stay on the defense topic you know we we just got done talking a few minutes ago about Malkin's play uh, and and the other guy right now who's kind of off to a, a, a slow start is is Chris Letang three assists in nine games, uh, where is where is this? Should we just think, okay, look, this guy has been so good for so long, he's going to bounce back and get going? Or, again, just for our whole segment, glass half full, half empty with Chris Letang's start? Well, I, I certainly think he's capable of elevating his game, but I think it would be misguided to assume that he's going to be able to Um, I mean, it certainly isn't just a lack of point production. He's been guilty of some, you know, bad decisions, um, some some really poor execution. Uh, You know, and when a a guy is approaching his mid-30s, you know, there's always the possibility that he's just, you know, moved out of his prime and is in the twilight of his career. I'm not suggesting that that's the case with, uh, with Latang, but it, you know, it's, it's certainly a possibility and not something that could be dismissed out of hand. All right. Well, good, good stuff here in our, in our round table. Uh, we'll be back on 66 to 87 podcast with our second segment. Stay with us. Won't you? back to the 66 to 87 podcast we're here in our second segment and we're going to talk uh some about some prospects now if we were doing a show on the pirates dave we would that would probably be our entire podcast every week because that's pretty much all they have the penguins they've been known to trade some prospects and future assets but as we see we've seen p.o joseph uh, there have been times here recently where guys have been called up and have certainly answered the bell, P.O. obviously being the main guy. But the Baby Penguins in Wilkes-Barre are going to get started tomorrow. They've got a new coach, J.D. Forrest. And, and let's go start there. Let's, let's start what we can see in Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, that may, if it's not going to help, help this team right now, could be helping them a little bit down the road. Taylor, what do you got there? Yeah, so there are three returning forwards that kind of stand out to me as, as guys that have uh, really, uh, you know, taken steps in their development. Um, Jordan, that's Jordy Bellery, Justin Almeida, and Yandros. Neither of them are really uh, 
close. I mean, Bellary would probably just be the closest out of those uh, three, but um, the things that, you know, they kind of wanted to see from them in the offseason, J.D. Forrest told me that, you know, they've already seen, like, Bellary. They really kind of wanted to see him work on his skating. Um, Forrest said it looks like he's already, you know, taken a step in that area. Almeida, they wanted to see get stronger. They've seen that. Um, Yandro, I haven't had a chance to ask Forrest about him yet, but, I mean, with him, his big thing was his two-way play and just, like, not turning the puck over. And just from watching him in the um, the first preseason game they played, I mean – I was I was watching him like he didn't turn the puck over one time and um, he just looked really really strong that way. So I mean those are those are guys that that stand out uh, up front. And then I mean on the on the blue line, I mean it's pretty depleted because uh, you know with Pittsburgh guys going up to the taxi squad too. But I mean Josh Maniscalco, he he didn't he didn't have a great camp up in Pittsburgh, but in in Wilkes-Barre it sounds like they're very high on him. He he had a good first preseason game too. Um, the defenseman they signed out of out of Arizona State. He was um, teammates with Austin Lemieux, and when when I talked to him after they signed him, he said Mario made a pitch to him. Uh, so Mario really wanted Maniscalco to sign with the Penguins, and that's always a good good sign. That's a good endorsement to have. Okay, you know it's it's this is a team when you when you look at some of the you know, there there are guys that obviously this is what they do for a living, looking at prospects uh, from you know in our business writing. And I think almost any, any ranking you see, the Penguins are in the bottom third, sometimes down at the bottom, just because this franchise is, is, is in, in a win-now mode. But there are a couple of guys that in, in junior hockey right now uh, that certainly stand out. Uh, Dave, do you want to take a, the, the two that, we, that everyone kind of talks about and what you've heard about them? And, and can fans – get a little excited about them here in the next couple of years uh, about them helping the penguins here in the not too well, distant future. Well, you're talking about uh, Samuel Poulin and, and yep. Nathan Laguerre, uh who are now teammates in the Quebec league uh, of the two. I, I think it's, uh, you know, reasonable to say that uh, Poulin is probably closer to uh playing in the NHL of, of the two um, has shown some goal scoring ability. I think people might have been hoping to see a little more from him during the uh, brief training camp that, that preceded this NHL season might have liked to seen him force his way onto the taxi squad. Uh, that didn't happen, but he is, I think uh, pretty much by acclamation now uh the you know the best prospect in the uh in the organization and Lagari um also you know has has shown some pretty good offensive ability uh probably will need a little more seasoning in in the minor leagues before he makes a real run at at the NHL roster but he you know from all indications at at this stage of his career he he's a legitimate threat to to play for the penguins at some point Right. Taylor, the good thing with, with, with both of these guys is um, the Penguins are hoping to contend for cups or certainly the playoffs in the next year or so. They've still got some terrific star players. So it's not like uh, this is a team that has to rush these guys in the league. Your thoughts on the two players that Dave just talked about, and, and is it a legitimate thought that here in a year or two that these guys could be contributing in Pittsburgh? 
Yeah, and I mean they aren't they aren't rushing their development because you know with the the NHL and the Canadian Hockey Leagues, there's an agreement where you know they can't play in the AHL yet until um, their their 20 year old season. So the age they are right now, um, their options are either NHL or or, or back to juniors. And Poulin, maybe they could have brought him in in kind of like a lower role, but they did opt to leave him in in juniors for another year to develop. Which so they aren't they aren't rushing him, but I mean, both of those guys, they're eligible for the AHL next year. So, I mean, if they start there, work their way up, um, I mean, they, it, I mean, it seems like they're physically ready. And just because I've watched a little bit of the two of them and um, in Valdor, which is their team now. And I mean, they're, they're on the top line together. They're, they're line mates. And the way they just connect with each other, I mean, because well, they've played together since they're, I think, like seven years old. Um, they're on, you know, different junior teams to start. But um, they just have really great chemistry together. So I think if, you know, eventually they could you know, come up together, maybe be on like the third line together. I think, I think that would be a great, uh, great line for the Penguins. But yeah, they, they definitely have bright futures. So expect once they get here to spend like 15 or 16 years together, just like Crosby and Malkin, right? No pressure <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, is, there, is there anyone else um, that may be a little bit under the radar on the junior level right now, or someone, someone that maybe, uh, you would tell fans to kind of you know, keep your eye on this player and see how, how, how he develops over the course of this, this season. Honestly, they only have one other uh, guy in juniors. He's in the WHL. His name is, uh, they just drafted him this year. I'm not 100% sure how to say his name, uh, European kid, but he was, he was mid-round pick. So, I mean, honestly, no. Like in, in juniors, it's pretty much Lager and Poulin to pay attention to right now. Um, the other notable guys are just, you know, in Europe, one uh, one other guy who might be worth just kind of keeping an eye on uh, is a defenseman at Penn State named Clayton Phillips. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, there, there's certainly no guarantee that he's going to pan out, but he, is, uh, he has shown some, you know, considerable promise, I think, and, uh, you know, some, some offensive ability. Uh, and and given the uh, you know the relative dearth of, of prospects in, in their organization, he he's a guy who's I think will at least be worth keeping tabs on as his college career progresses. Okay, Dave, uh, for for the insider for our, I hope fans I hope uh, readers at DK Pittsburgh Sports uh, read our Friday Insider every week because you you can get some great little nuggets there that you're not going to get anywhere else. You spoke with Scott Young uh, about some of the some of the players are playing kind of internationally right now. Can you uh, share some of the insights that Scott was able to give you? Well, uh, we were talking about guys who you know basically uh, you know the gist of our conversation was how there aren't all that many you know, top-notch prospects in, in the organization because of all the early-round draft picks that have been traded away for so many years. Um, and he said, uh, you know, he acknowledged that reality, but said that there are some guys whose profile might not be all that high, but who at least have a chance to, uh, to contribute at some point in the future and guys who are playing in, uh, in Europe right now. He uh, especially seemed uh, high on, on the potential of Casper Borkfist. Um, but he also mentioned uh, Valtteri Pustinen, who's a forward like Bjorkvist, and a defenseman named Santeri Irola. Um, 
who is uh, you know probably a few years down the road at least from having an impact uh, or even securing a spot in the NHL, but uh, you know a right-handed defenseman who who skates well uh, has shown some offensive ability, um, and again is is somebody worth uh, keeping tabs on, uh, but not. Uh, because you'll expect to see him at, at the start of next season or anything like that. Taylor, you want to jump in here? I, th- I think this podcast yeah. is going to be huge in Finland at some point because yeah. we're, we're, talking, we're talking so much Finland hockey today. Uh, not to give away the next segment, but uh, a lot of Finnish stuff. What, what have you seen there with, with, with some of the guys that Dave mentioned and maybe you want to toss out some other names? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say I love the Finns. I can touch on all three three of those guys. Uh, Casper Bjorkqvist, uh, kind of a weird situation with him. He was in Wilkes-Barre last year. He played six games, I think it was, um, before he ran into a teammate in practice and um, uh, had to have surgery. It was an ACL uh, done for the year. So that was his first year pro. He was coming out of of Providence College. Um, Pretty much a kind of a lost year in his development. Um, I know something like the Penguin skills coach told me is that, you know, because he couldn't skate, um, Casper worked like extensively on his hands, um, which is, you know, one of his weaknesses, uh, he would just do stick handling. He said, uh, like Ty Hennessy works with the, the prospects from afar. Um, he would send, you know, Casper a video of a, of a skills drill, um, they would normally, you know, take a, a guy maybe like a week to master. And he said Casper would be hitting him up the next day. Like, can you send me more? Um, and something that was interesting, too, with, with, with those videos is that, um, you know, they send them videos of, you know, Pittsburgh players doing the drills. And it's like Pittsburgh players that they see them, um, you know, similar to. And Bjorkquist was Hornquist. Like, they have a lot of similarities. Um, they're build. They're very strong. They're both good net front presences so they'd send him videos of Hornquist and then Bjorkquist would try to uh replicate it but uh yeah I mean he he's someone and he's an animal in the gym I mean Garen when he was here said that Casper shattered their uh strength their strength records for uh like the big team too like not just prospects he's uh he's nuts but uh uh, Valtteri Pustin, undersized, uh, five foot eight. Um, they, I mean, they got him in the seventh round in 2019 because he was a very late bloomer. Um, he's, uh, you know, small, never really got, uh, a lot of time, you know, in like national play. So, uh, really under, under the radar. And he, uh, you know, when he was younger, he was never that fast. He was kind of chubby. Um, but he's, you know, now, I mean, speed, that's his biggest thing. Uh, he's great. He's playing. So Casper, he's in the Finnish league this season. They're, they just left him there. So we'd have more time. He's on Cuckoo. That's the team name. Uh, Pustinen. He's on HBK. Um, this is probably his last year over there before coming over. Um, I just talked to him not that long ago. He said, you know, he's ready now. <laughs> and yeah. Then, uh, yeah. Irela, Irela is tough. Um, he was injured for, most of the season so far but he he recently came back and they put um he's on I, I, the Ilvis I think that's how you pronounce it and they put him right uh on the top power play when he came back so yeah he does have that offensive potential for for fans that that, that don't follow a lot of European hockey um obviously they're uh, the, the the focus is here in Pittsburgh but but again 
uh, here shortly in, in the next year or two, we're probably going to be looking more and more at prospects. Where does the Finnish league rank as far as the best leagues? You always, you, you think of the KHL, you always hear of the Swedish league. Where does the Finnish league kind of rank as far as, you know, kind of player development for the NHL? Um, I mean, in Europe, I probably, you know, KHL is obviously number one, but then below that, probably Sweden and then Finland. Um, Finland, probably around par as, as the AHL. Um, and just from seeing, you know, in the past when they brought, you know, guys from that league over, um, they kind of perform the same, you know, the same, they put up the same points that they did in, in Europe. Um, but yeah, it's it, it probably about on par AHL, maybe. Yeah, that's probably right. The, the international ice is the big difference there. The, you know, it, the big question is, can they adjust to, you know, the smaller ice once they come over here? Sure. All right. Uh, the Baby Penguins get started on Saturday with their first game. And if, coming up in our next segment, we're going to have their new head coach, J.D. Forrest, with us, joining us. So stick around. Uh, this is the 66 to 87 podcast on DK Sports Radio. Welcome back to our third segment of 66 to 87 podcast. And we are now going to start with this weekend's, uh, or our, our, our show. This segment is going to be the prospecting for black and gold. And we're going to deal a little bit with the, the prospects in the organization. And I, I can't imagine starting a new segment like this without anybody other than the new coach down in Wilkes-Barre, J.D. Forrest. Uh, J.D., thanks for joining the program. I know you have been obviously there for Four seasons working mostly with the defense and the penalty killing, but now you get to run the show uh, yourself or at least be the main man. How excited are you for this uh, opportunity to be a head coach? Oh, well, very excited. I mean, it's, uh, it's been, it's been a little while here in the organization uh, and it's been uh, ever since I started, it's been, it's been fantastic. And we've had, uh, I've worked with some good coaches and uh, some really good players. And and now it's time to see if I can continue the tradition here in Wilkes-Barre of helping guys develop and, and uh, having a, a winning culture here at the same time. So uh, it's a good, it's a great challenge and uh, one that I'm, I'm happy to accept. Uh, you know, I know it's been a very short time. You just played your first uh, preseason game, but have you noticed a difference? Uh, you know, uh, noticed the difference of being the, the main man now, not being the the assistant coach, uh, and have players reacting to you any any different? Uh, sure. I mean, I, I don't know if uh, I, I feel like I'm pretty approachable either way, and then I've got enough familiarity with a lot of these guys. Um, and then the ones that are new, uh, especially the, the guys that were in Pittsburgh that are new, you know, I, I, I was able to, um, to interact with them a little bit there and, and kind of use that transition. So it's not like a jarring first meeting or anything like that. So I haven't felt, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not on the other side of it, but I haven't felt that personally. Uh, the more adjustment to me, it's just, uh, there's a, there, there's a lot more responsibility aside from just the hockey part of it. And, uh, and, and, and that can get time consuming. Um, but, 
in the game itself, you know, I, I find myself, I'm always drawn to watching the defenseman. It's just a habit of mine. So now I've got to sometimes consciously uh, change my, change my sight line to, to make sure I'm focusing on more than just that. But uh, you know, it's been, it's been really uh, great so far. It seems like Boston you have a, uh, yeah, you have a pretty good mix of um, like, you know, younger players and a veteran leadership core to help you with this transition too. I mean, guys like Nolan and, and Schaller, uh, Trotman, probably Churchman later. Uh, but yeah, what do you think of the, the, just the composition of this team in that regard this year? Yeah, I mean, you said it. It's a, it's a nice mix. We have some young guys, but even, even quite a few of our young guys have played some pro hockey now. I mean, if you look at um, guys like Jordy Bellarive and, and John Lazat. Um, and then, you know, they're second year pros, but they, they really have, um, they, they're good pros, you know, so they, they kind of, uh, they have that work ethic that makes them seem like they're a little bit on the, on the, on the older side, although they're not. And you mix in guys like Schaller and Josh Curry and Knowles, uh, Churchy when he comes back and, and Trotz when he's around the team and you've got, uh, a mix there of some youthful energy and then I would say with our vets um, they have energy too <laughs> like that it's not just youthful energy we have some experienced guys with a lot of energy and that stuff's that's contagious so it's um, it's nice to have that and then even guys that spent some time in wheeling last year or maybe the majority of the year I feel like they've they've taken some steps here as far as confidence and and uh, just being able to be to be a pro and just a little bit of maturity there. So it's been nice to see. JD, you uh, obviously one guy that I know you've talked about uh, with Taylor before and seemed to have a real good feeling about P.O. Joseph when he was going to get his chance. Uh, just your thoughts on what you saw in the time uh, last season when you had a chance to work with him on, on defense. I know him and John Lazat made a nice pairing for you. Uh, what can you tell our listeners about his time in Wilkes-Barre and kind of what you projected for him? Yeah, I, so P.O. was, he, he was just great to work with the whole time uh, he was in Wilkes-Barre. A real, a real uh, self-starter driven kid. Um, who is, I would say he's, he's a professional beyond his years. I mean, he's, he's only 21 and uh, he doesn't, he's, he's much more mature than that as far as how he approaches the game and, and just uh, uh, for being a professional. Um, he, he put the work in, he put the time in, he just focused on improving while he was here. Um, there's, there's instances where guys are, our high picks uh, like PO was, and they kind of expect a little faster track to their NHL opportunity. And I just, from, from with him working with him, all he did was focus on everything he could at the time to be prepared when he got the chance. And um, he, he's had that opportunity, maybe just a little bit earlier than we anticipated even, but, um, he's made the most of it. And that's just because um, he, he put in the work and he prepared. Um, he was willing to do what it took to, to have that uh, base to work off of. You know, last year I would have said, hey, he's going to push um, around Christmas time to steal a spot in Pittsburgh. And uh, with the shortened season and everything uh, kind of just different than, than, uh, than we're used to, um, he's gotten that opportunity early with all the injuries up there and 
uh, I think he's clearly he's made an impression on everybody. So it's really good to see. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud of him. I'm, I'm happy for him. And uh, I'm sure uh, I'm sure there's more uh, really good stuff yet to come from Pio. You said he put um, put in the work. What, what kind of changes did you see in his strength? I mean, he had a he had a pretty rough start to the year with the mono. He lost, I think, fifteen pounds. But um, it sounded like he he really focused on his leg strength, and and that really paid off. Yeah, he did a lot of off ice. I mean, it's not very often that during the season you see a player make a lot of gains in the weight room because at that point you're trying to maintain your holding on to all the work that you put in the summer and you're, you're working on your craft more so your than your, um, you know, your, just your, your weight room, your physical strengths, but he was able to do both. Um, he worked with Mike Joyce, our strength and conditioning coach very closely and had a nice program for during the year to be able to do that. And he took the extra time uh, and the extra effort to, to get that stuff taken care of. And you saw increases in, in his um, strength and explosiveness as we went throughout the season in numbers that we don't typically see in a season. So, um, I mean, that's just the off ice stuff, you know, the on ice stuff. He was always one of the guys staying out there the longest and he had um, specific things that he would like to work on that he, that we would go over that he knew he needed to work on, or I thought he did. Um, he, I gave him a lot of input on that too. And, uh, you know, he was a, he was a proactive learner. Um, and, and that helps guys that are taking control of their own, own situations. He certainly did that. Um, you know, can, JD, you have a, um, obviously a, 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 a playing career of your own defenseman at Boston college. Uh, you've, you played professionally, you played in Europe. How does your background uh, with playing uh, in so many, you know, so many different places around the world think help you uh, with these young pros, the guys that are just coming in the AHL or guys that have just been in, in, in the AHL for a couple of years? Yeah, um, I had a little bit of a different path with the college hockey. Everybody that's played college hockey has uh, some camaraderie there. You just you know what it's like, the different rivalries, the, the NCAA tournament with the you know, single game elimination. And it's just, it's kind of a different animal. Uh, uh, not a lot of, not as many games during the year and um, some older competitions. So that stuff is pretty relatable with uh, all the college guys. And then, um, and then playing a couple of years overseas before I came back here uh, to, and, and signed with Carolina and then had some time in the American League as well before going back over. It just gave me a look at a lot of different, just a lot of different uh, walks of life where people are coming from. I mean, so this morning, for example, I just, I was talking to Zahorna and Yanni Drazg and just reminding them that I've been around teams where there's been the language barrier for myself before. And if they have any concerns or if I'm saying something that they don't quite understand to don't hesitate to come to me and ask because I know what it's like to be in a locker room and not understand everything. Um, you know, so that's pretty helpful with the guys coming from Europe. Uh, specifically, I spent a lot of time in Finland. So we, we, you know, we've had quite a few Finns come through here. We're going to have more, um, you know, so it's fun to talk to those guys about different places that 
where they're from and the different teams that they, you know, different clubs that they played for throughout their career. Um, so there's a connection there. That's, that's a little bit, uh, it's a little unique because I've, I've been able to, to go to their countries and, and kind of live, live in their culture for a while. Uh, not just, you know, go for a, a week vacation in Helsinki. Like I was immersed <laughs> in it. So it's, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's pretty neat to be able to do that. And I, I really liked my time over there. So, it's also fun to talk about for me. Did you uh, pick up any of uh, any finish while you were over there? I think you spent what three years there because I mean that would have come in handy with with the four you had last year. Yeah, I I almost I think I was four and a half seasons in Finland, and yeah, at one point I was I would I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but I was pretty good, and that's a hard language. <laughs> it it's is a tough yeah. language. The the words are so like when you when I first got over there, everything was. Um, all the TV was subtitled. Mm -hmm. So I would watch, I actually, Conan O'Brien was on there all the time and, and I used to watch him every afternoon and the subtitles were in Finnish and he would say two words and it would take up the whole bottom of the TV. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I could figure this, this one out, but then you get in the hockey, you get in the locker room and you hear certain words, phrases, and there's hockey terminology that you pick up and then you go out to eat with the guys. And you, so, um, you know, after a couple of years, I was, I felt pretty confident and I still throw some finish out there to my, to my fellow, uh, to my fellow Finns that are, <laughs> that are in the locker room just for fun. So they get a kick out of it. <laughs> okay. Statue of limitations is up now from your playing days at Boston college. So give us your best Brooks Orpic story. <laughs> <laughs> my best Brooks Orpic story. I actually, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I, I, he may remember this. I don't know if he does, but, it's actually from uh, a world junior tryout uh, before I got to Boston college and Brooksy, it was in Lake Placid and they BC had a player named Mike Motto who won the Hobie there. Uh, it was pretty good. And he was leaving the year I was going to come in. So he, I was uh, hoping to follow in his shoes and eat some of those minutes up that he ate. But anyways, at the world junior camp, we were scrimmaging and I made, I don't know. I probably turned it over or something. And then I came to the bench and I didn't really know Brooksy that well, but he said, you're going to have to do better than that if you want to replace Mots. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of joked. He, he was joking a little bit, but I was like, yeah, he, yeah, you're right. I am. <laughs> but that was, uh, that was kind of funny. Although it wasn't at BC, but it was still a good. Yeah. Well, we're delighted to have you. Delighted, uh, delighted to see how the team does in your, in your first year. I'm sure you're excited. It's been a long wait for, for this, a lot of these players and obviously the teams and the coaches as well to kind of get uh, the AHL back going, but I'm glad they are. Thanks so much for doing this. And this uh, brings the close to the end of our 66 to 87 podcast this week for Dave Molinari. And Taylor Haas, this is Tom Reed, and we will talk to you early next week.